Good morning, Covenant Fellowship. If you make your ways to your wake, make your way to your seats, you will find hymnals because it is Hymn Sunday, and our first hymn was Hymn Number 258. So if you will turn to Hymn Number 258 and stand, we will begin our time of worship this morning. talking about that in Sunday school this morning in Acts chapter 1 and of course Christ had spent his 40 days after his resurrection and spoke with the disciples and ascended back up into heaven but he charges them and he tells them to you know to go and be his witness in Judea and Samaria and of course when he told the disciples their first question was well, are you going to reestablish the kingdom now they were worried about their personal interests what they wanted Christ said you know quickly no, that's only for the Father to worry about, not for you. Then he redirects them. And then he departs, and it says God's had to send two angels because they said they steadfastly just stood there and stared at heaven. And the angels were like, what are you doing? And I'm paraphrasing, you know, what's up? He says, oh, he, he's left. We're just waiting for Jesus to return. He says, oh, he'll return, but you've also been commanded on what to do until he returns. Go tell it on the mountain." Be my witness in Judea and Samaria. We have a Judea and Samaria, do we not? Yeah, it's Hunt County, Rockwall County, Collin County, Dallas County. It is. That's our Judea, you know, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. So don't get caught just staring at the heavens, waiting for Christ to come back. While you're praying, pray. 
But understand, be steadfast in doing what Christ came to disciple us to do. Not just to stand around and build our church and wait for Christ to return. No, he's already established. Let's fulfill his church. Amen? So, good truth this morning. So, uh, as you can tell, still a lot of folks out. Phone just lit up this morning. So many people hacking and coughing. So, if you see a face that's not here, make sure you're reaching out to them. Let them know they're missed. But if you're joining us online, we're honored to have you with us. So, again, we have folks standing by online. If we can be a blessing, just hit the tab in the bottom right-hand corner for prayer. We want to be praying for you. It's private and secure, but uh, we want to be a blessing. But thank you for joining us. Uh, a couple of quick announcements coming here, and uh, we'll get going this morning. And uh, we don't have any announcements? Yeah. Oh, I got Oh. Why don't I get to see what they get to see? I guess it's kind of like your salvation. It's not what you know, it's who you know, huh? All right, candlelight service. Uh, I, I think I, I said last week, the 16th, uh, that was my bad. I apologize. Our candlelight service will be the 23rd. That's still a Saturday night, and that'll be at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. So uh, it's not long. We spend about 40 or 45 minutes and just have a great time of fellowship and traditional candle service. So great opportunity to invite friends or family we'd love to have them come so come be a part of us on that then uh, of course our wednesday night we still have our wednesday night service taking place we've postponed the food but we're still walking through hebrews there so again encourage you to be a part of that we do have a announcement won't be on your screen but our youth will be having a christmas party on december the 20th at 6 p.m that's a wednesday night uh you're supposed to wear your pjs so if anybody has PJs still, uh, I'm sure they do. So, uh, but y'all, it sounds like y'all having a pajama party and uh, bring some snacks, but that will be Wednesday night the 20th. And then far as a Christmas party last night, uh, just a great job. I wanna thank Ashley and Alina for all the time they put in to get everything ready for us. And it was uh, a great job and uh, we play Christmas bunko and everybody must have been cheating because I didn't win. And so, but we'll discuss that later. And, uh, but, you know, we had a great time doing that, so we missed you there. But thank you for everybody who participated and was involved in that. So, yes, ma'am. Julia, yes. I was here. And uh, if you saw online, Julia in their kid zone had their uh, Grinch Christmas party, and it was a great uh, turnout. Uh, great job, Steve and Julia and Savannah, what they put into that and how many of our kids benefited from it. And Steve running around in his Grinch Christmas costume, uh, scaring half of our kids. And uh, most of them were hiding from him. But uh, a great time. And everybody that participated and was involved in that, thank you for that. But Steve and Julia, great job as always in your heart for our children. And so it was a great time. So I think that is that uh, for us this morning. Uh, a uh, interesting message for you this morning. It'll be a great encouragement. I think you'll be interested in how we get there, though. And uh, so we're ex excited about that. So if we can have our men come forward this morning, and we'll pray over our service. Lord, we thank you for this gathering this morning. We thank you for all that you do for in our lives. And more importantly, we thank you for all that you're going to do. 
through us, Lord, and we thank you for uh, uh, our congregation, our family here, that we love you so much, Lord, and we just want to uh, praise you and give you the most highest praise, Lord. We thank you for all that you do. Let this offering go to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh. 
You know, when we uh, think about this season and everything, one of the things, I guess at 62, one of the ways I kind of am moving through this next season of my life is just two things. One of them is everybody needs Jesus, and it's my job as a Christian. It's my role because Jesus saved me to tell everybody about that wonderful gift. And this season reminds us, because if he wasn't born, he couldn't have died. And then the other thing is to know God as intimately as I can in order to fulfill that first thing. So it's kind of like a cycle. Learn more about God, you give more light. The more light you have, the more you have to give. And that's what this whole season's about. You know, there's more depression, more suicides, and more a lot of things around the holidays. And it's always because people don't have hope. We have to give them the hope of the world, the blessed hope. Because he's coming back for us. And when he does, those that know him will go with him. So just keep that in mind as you're out and about. It's easy. You see a lot of people just losing their biscuits over everything. <laughs> and it's easy to do that. Just remember, everybody needs that light. And one kindness I told the waitress um, on my trip last week, thank you, and she teared up. She said, nobody's thanked me all day. That just broke my heart. So let's don't break hearts. Let's go out and let's encourage those hearts so we can pull them into Christ. Let's come to prayer. If you'll stand and turn in your hymnal to 277.
If you want to turn to Second Peter, and uh, we'll get there momentarily. Uh, I didn't have all my toys ready. I'm sorry. Look at that. There we go. All right. Second Peter, chapter one, I believe it is. it is all right here we go I want to talk about divine potential we hear about the word potential everybody's got potential and uh, it just depends on how it's exploited to what benefit uh, you look through the Bible it's filled with men and women that we get uh, illustrations of their character that we see their flawed aspects of their character in different ways the mess the imperfection that came by way of their lives and how God had to intervene and work through that in his divinity in their life that brought out the potential that they had. Uh, but through God's divine power, he gave them great and precious promises. Now, these great and precious promises are the same things that are given to us and offered to us by God and his divine nature. The good news is for each of us today is that we, again, get to share in Christ's divine nature. And I think we minimize that, that we, we, we underestimate he that lives and dwells within us. And the same power that rose Christ from the grave is illustrated as the same power that dwells within us. And, and this aspect of God's divinity is alive and well. And it flourishes, or it should be flourishing in our nature. And uh, so we're going to look at a character today, and we're going to pick on him. We're going to pick on him pretty bad. And we're going to point out a lot of stuff that 
you wouldn't want to be caught doing. But I think if we're honest with our hearts, that we can mirror a lot of the same things in our life. But we're going to see what comes by way of his life that I think you would think that if you were God, if you were Jesus, you would have written this person off long ago, as I know the Lord would have had a right to do with me. But because of his long-suffering and his patience and him seeing what we don't see and knowing his perfect will for our lives, he knows the expected end he has for us. And so we're going to look at this in an interesting way, but you should find great encouragement this morning by way of doing this. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you again for this morning. We pray for those that are out that are uh, physically ill, and, uh, Ill, excuse me, and, and Lord, just ask that you would heal their bodies. But if they're joining us online, just pray that we'll be a blessing to them. Father, I ask that you anoint every word that's spoken this morning. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you would, stand with me. Our passage this morning will come from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And so if you would read aloud with me. It says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. Thank you. There it is right there. We got this promise, these great and precious promises that allows us, what? It's a gifted to us that we can share, we can participate in. We can fully bloom where we're planted in the divine nature of Christ, in the image of the divinity of Christ. We know we're co-heirs with the kingdom of God through Christ and his redemptive work. So we're going to see an individual again that, that missed this in a big way. But yet the Lord still got him to a wonderful, amazing, expected end as he does for each of us. So again, the Father's called us and all of us to be encouragers. He's all called us to be a, a Barnabas, in a, in, a, in a sense. Barnabas' names means encourager. Barnabas was part of, uh, with Paul in his missionary journeys, if you recall, and, and uh, Paul had a falling out with John Mark, and on the second missionary journey, and Barnabas said, hey, let's get John Mark to go, and Paul said, no, nope, want nothing to do with him. He walked away last time, he dropped the spiritual ball, want nothing to do with him. It was Barnabas, his spirit, that said, hey, I understand i tell you what, you take Silas and John Mark can go with me. And it multiplied the work of God in an amazing way. Why? Because Barnabas was willing to look past the shortcomings of John Mark. Did John Mark fail in some way? He did, as we all do. Paul was quick to write him off. Barnabas was, ah, wait a second. There's good in him. He's got the Holy Spirit in him. There's good in him. And uh, we need to always take that to heart. So, we all have our testimony. We all have his word that we're called to live to and by meaning. Thus, it means that God uses our scars. Don't hide them. So many Christians are more worried about being embarrassed by the spiritual scars and the life scars that bring upon them. And they want to mask them and show them as, as maybe a, you know, their life to be more perfect than it is. That's the dangers of social media. Everybody projects what they want everybody else to see. And that's not reality. God says, no, those scars are to be used as testimonies. 
ways to say, wow, that happened to you? Yeah, it did, but let me tell you what God did with it. That's why we should spend more time about what God did and not how much time we spent underneath the bridge. Did you get that? I think we've heard it. Unfortunately, I know people try to speak from the heart, but you hear sometimes testimonies of 25 minutes of life under the bridge in five minutes, oh, and Jesus saved me. Thank you for being here. No. I was underneath the bridge a long time, but we can cover that in five minutes. Let me tell you what Jesus did with my life. I'm going to spend 25 minutes about what Christ did with the scars in my life. So he takes our scars. He takes our, 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 our suffering, everything, that uh, our pain. These things that, that hinder a lot of believers, he wants us to take these and build hope and encouragement and strength for others to, you know, to partake of. The Father expects us to use our scars, our failures, and our pain to be an encouragement and have a reason to share the hope that's within us to others. So we're going to start by looking at Peter. We're going to look at Peter. And your mind can already start racing what we can bring up about Peter. But before we just like pin him to the wall, maybe kind of stand in Peter's shoes and see if you've been in a similar situation. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 14. We've got some verses here to read. And this is one of the, the first illustrations. I don't know if anything describes the divine nature of Christ more than this. So Matthew 14, 25 through 33 tells us, And on the fourth watch at night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit or is it a ghost? They cried out in fear. So they, you know, they were as fearful as we were. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. What's that next, those next three words? It is I. Be not afraid. Verse 28. Now, you've you got to know Peter. Keep in mind the boldness of Peter and his character. Peter, what's that next word? Get used to that word, answered. We're going to see how much Peter had a propensity to like to open his mouth and run his mouth. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it... If it what? If it be thou you, who else would be out walking on the water? You know, if it be thou you, bid me to what? Come. Come into the water. And he said, what? Come, right there. I'm sorry. I, maybe it's my warped thinking. I find a lot of humor in the Scripture. Here they are in the boat in the Sea of Galilee. We know we will find out in a second that, you know, it was a stormy night to some degree. The waves were up. Already an uncomfortable situation, and night on the boat in the ocean. Now here comes Jesus walking on water. Not something they've seen in his ministry yet, and nothing they've ever seen. And so, Peter, being Peter, says, hey, wait, I got this, guys. Lord, if it's you, like Jesus needs to prove it, have me come to you. Come, pardon me? <laughs> That's, to me, that's the way I read that. Peter's like, well, who, me? You really want me to come? Jesus' like, yeah, come. Come on, big boy. You're the one that opened your mouth. You're the one that questioned if it was me. You want to come? Jesus says, come. Now, don't pick on it. Peter did go in faith. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the boisterous waves and was afraid, he began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him up unto him. 
He said, thou of what? Little faith. Peter was quick to run his mouth, was he not? If it's you, Lord, have me come. Yeah, well, it's me. Come on. Oh, wow. Jesus would be a good tennis player, would he not? You know what I'm saying? You know, just boom. How you like that one? Boop. Ball's back in your court. And it gets back in our court in a hurry, does it not? It's not like we're going to blow a serve past Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we can play tennis. It's me. Come, come on. Interesting. It is I, Lord, if it's you. Oh, it was. Now let's jump on to Matthew 15, 16. We're going to walk through these chapters here because Peter finds himself in a rut. And uh, Peter was, uh, you know, let's go into the scriptures here. 15, 16. Jesus said, are you also without understanding? So here it was in chapter 15. He's calling out this disciple, and Peter speaks up on behalf of the disciples. Maybe they all did. Maybe Peter just threw them under the bus. It's hard to say. A lot of times the disciples struggled with the, the parables. And, you know, Jesus said, how long must I tarry with you? But in this case, Peter says, you know, tell us what you're trying to say here, Lord. Let us understand. And Jesus says unto him, and yet, and yet, that word yet is the Greek word where we'd get still. Jesus said, Peter, are you still without understanding? Come on. Now, I can see Peter, like what turns popular today. Hey, Jesus, can you explain that parable to us? I mean, I'm asking for a friend. You know, he wants to question the parable. He wants understanding. But Jesus responds by, yet, are you still? Peter, are you still an idiot? I don't think Jesus used the word idiot, but he definitely used the word still. Now, let's jump on to Matthew 16. And this is a miracle statement here that takes place here. Verses 13 through 19. And when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am, that the Son of Man am? And they said, Some said that thou art John the Baptist. Now, wait a second. He had been with John the Baptist. They see, probably seen, they seen him with John the Baptist. He said, well, why would they say, why would you let them say I'm John the Baptist? Some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter, what's that next word? Answered, opened his mouth again, and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In verse 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter upon this rock, meaning that statement of faith, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this is interesting here. You got to remember, Peter's hearing this. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Very interesting statement. Now, the miracle is, this is the same Peter that's quick to be voiceful or boisterous about his faith, but slow to react or slow to understand. For him to make such a profound statement that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
They, they didn't come direct from Peter. Matter of fact, Jesus acknowledged Peter. They didn't come from you. They came from the Holy Spirit, from the wisdom that was given and imparted unto you. Now, it goes on. We're going to look at verses 21 to 23 because this gets into the gospel itself. We kind of read it. It said, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Then Peter did what? Took him aside and began to what? You realize the arrogance that had to be on Peter's part? Hey, uh, Jesus, come here for a second. You know, come on. Hey, look, you and I, I know we get... I don't think those guys really get that. You know, that's a little deep for them. And he says, by the way, I don't want you to go. Don't want me to go. That's why I'm here. I'm here to save you and to save mankind. What do you mean? You're going to rebuke me not to go and do the Father's will. Be it far from thee, Lord. How do you find the spiritual audacity of Peter... And his boldness to tell the Lord, no, 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 stay here. Don't go to Jerusalem. No, we want you here. Keep on doing miracles. Keep on teaching us and preaching to us. Don't be going to Jerusalem. Peter is saying, teach us, but don't save us. Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Keep in mind that Jesus had already changed his name from Simon, the little rock, to Peter, a boulder. And now he changed his name for a third time to what? Satan. How would you like Jesus, God, to call you Satan? I'm sure Peter is probably quick. Hey, let's go back to Peter. I'm more comfortable with Peter than with Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou hast... Savers, not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Peter didn't want him to go to Jerusalem because Peter wanted him for him. He didn't want to see him to suffer and to die and to be gone, much less so rebuke Christ. He had heard Christ's testimony for three years, his purpose, his ministry, to come and to seek and to save you know, those that were lost. He knew that the temple had to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. But when the time came, Jesus took him aside, physically took him aside and rebuked him not to go. This is a hero of the scriptures who the, the Lord used greatly, but yet he failed greatly in so many ways. He doubted God's will. Peter could be slow to understand, we see. He was called Satan. He was of little faith. We know eventually he even denounced Christ, knowing him. Do you understand if you see the outcome of Peter's life and you see that what Jesus invested in Peter, if Jesus can be long-suffering and temperamental with Peter, don't you think he can be with us as well? We find ourselves being like Peter. We find ourselves as spiritual idiots sometimes, of little faith. We say and do stupid things with regularity, scripturally speaking. And thus then we beat ourselves up. 
Oh, God's probably given up on me. God will never use me. God can't use me. I have no worth. I have no value. But here was Peter. I mean, think of Peter. He was trying to converse with Jesus on his level. He was so far above his spiritual pay grade, it wasn't even funny. And the arrogance he, he had to have. I'm not infusing it into the scriptures and, and taking a little, you know, freedom here. But after he said, you know, upon your statement of faith, I'll build my church. You're the rock. He said, I'll give you the keys to heaven and earth. I could see Peter walking down the road. Hey, you hear what he said? I'm the rock. I got, I got some keys to something. I don't know what they do, but he's giving me keys. He must have to some degree in his spirit to come back and have the arrogance to want to rebuke Christ. What was Peter thinking? All this transpires, and then Jesus, Peter goes about six days. That may have been a record for Peter, because we looked at 14, 15, 16, and I look at Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brethren, bringeth them up unto a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his remnant as white as the light. Meaning at this point, Peter had the opportunity with James and John to experience something, heaven, like nobody's ever seen it. They got to see Christ as he was in his eternal glory. What an amazing opportunity that just took place. Here they were, you know, you know, appearing there with Moses and Elijah, you know, 1,400, about 1,800 years past, and yet they're, they're shining like the sun. Can't even hardly look upon them. Peter, James, and John got to see Jesus in his full divinity. But notice Peter's not done. Peter being Peter, look what it says in verses 3 and 4. And behold, there appeared unto him then Moses and Elijah talking with them. They were talking with Jesus. Then, what's that next word? There's Peter opening his mouth again. Then answered Peter, said unto Jesus, when did, when did Peter get asked a question? Was Jesus talking to Peter? No, he's talking to Elijah and Moses. They're getting to look upon it. He took Peter, James, and John on this special mission to go to the Mount of Transfiguration, reveals themselves in their heavenly glory, pure divinity. James and John, they don't say a word. You can assume that they're in reverence, bowed down in awe. Peter says, whew, Lord, I'm glad I'm here. That's what he says. Look, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here what? Three times. Peter speaks up, not even involved in conversation. Oh, Lord, I'm glad you brought us. We got to see this. Also, let us set up three different churches or denominate. Let us set up these thrones for you. One for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, this is so fascinating to me. While he yet spoke, Peter's still running his mouth, a bright cloud <laughs> overshadowed them. And behold, a voice of the cloud, which said, by the way, this is God, as you can tell in context, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
shut up, Peter, and hear him. I took some liberty there with what God told Peter. How far out of our faith, how arrogant do we have to be, how downtrodden do we have to be that we think that we're something special to Jesus, that, we're, that he gets to use us, that we're running our mouth or our faith is so out of control that God has to intervene and say, hey, this is my son whom I will please. Shut up and listen to him. It took Peter six days to find himself right back in that situation. Now I'll jump over to John 13. We're going to have a point here, real simple. John 13, verses 2 through 9. And the supper being ended, the devil having uh, put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands, that he was uh, come from God and went to God. He raised up from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he had poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to who? Any other disciples are involved in this conversation? Nope, to Peter. And Peter did what? Started talking again, saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? Uh, yeah, Peter, that's what I'm down here for. I'm washing everybody's feet. That's pretty obvious. Jesus answered unto him, What I doeth now, uh, knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said to him, rebuked him again, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Then Jesus answered him, If thou wash not uh, the feet not, thou hast no part with me. Then Simon Peter spoke again, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head, if you're going to put it that way. Yeah, now he's all for it. At first, he's rebuking him again. Now he's like, oh, well, wait a second. I want everything to do with you. Not just my feet, my head and my hands. You see the picture I'm painting about Peter here. We ask the question, if we were Jesus, how long could we put up with a Peter? We saw 14 through 17 in chapters, and Peter continually opening his mouth, two occasions rebuking Jesus, other time having the arrogance that he had a voice to say and something to offer. Peter was a mess. He was a mess in every way you could look at it. Let's jump to Luke chapter 22. And see where this got Peter. In Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, I want you to catch verse 33. But I have, what? Pray for thee. Did he say, I have protected you? Did he say, I have rescued you? I say, I cast Satan away? No, I have prayed for you, though, that they faileth, fail not, or your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, and he brought back. So Jesus understands something that Peter doesn't understand, does he not? He knows that Satan wants to get his hands on Peter. We'll get to that. 
Jesus doesn't just protect him with his mighty right arm. He says, but I'm praying for you, Peter. And when you get through with all this, what does he tell Peter to do? Strengthen the brethren. Notice he didn't say he'd protect him. He said he'd pray for him. And when you return, knowing that Peter would, he told Peter, strengthen the brethren. Now, here's our question. Why did Satan ask for this big stick-your-foot-in-the-mouth guy, Peter, to sift? Ever thought about that? He didn't ask for the son of thunder. He didn't ask for John the Beloved. He didn't ask for all the disciples or any of the disciples. Satan told Jesus, says, hey, <laughs> like Job, let me get my hands on Peter. You can make a case that, oh, you can have Peter. Well, I'll trade him. I'll trade him and pick up another disciple. He's nothing but a thorn in my flesh. I know how Paul feels. Every time Peter opens his mouth, he's sticking his foot in it, talking a better game than he can walk, rebuking what I'm wanting to do. I'm surprised I can get anywhere in my ministry because of Peter. But Jesus didn't say that. Peter said, hey, or Jesus said, hey, Peter, giving you a heads up. Satan's coming after you. But that's okay. Hey, I'm praying for you. Would that be what you want to hear, or would you want to see, hear, hear Jesus say, but don't worry, I've taken care of it? I had to get Peter's attention. Oh, what do you mean you prayed? Oh, why don't you just take care of this for me, God? I'm serving you. I'm doing everything. Yeah, I know I'm a little hard to deal with. I know I get a little ahead of you. I know I'm, I'm a loud mouth. But if you take care of this, he said, oh, I've already taken care of it. I'm praying for you. The whole message to the fact and the truth is that our Lord and Savior was willing and able to use even a Peter. Then by his great and precious promises and by the shedding of his blood, he can and offers to us those same divine potential. We have the same opportunity Peter has. Oh, we may not be thrust in to starting a new covenant church. We may not do the miracles that Peter does. But the greatest miracle of all that Peter did do at Pentecost, we're empowered to do that, are we not? Yes. I'm telling you, if he can put up with the Peter, he can put up with the Todd. If he can put up with the Peter, he can put up with any one of us, the sound of my voice. You may say, make an argument, hey, I'm, I'm even worse than a Peter. That's the scary part. It doesn't matter. We can't be scarier than the power of the Savior. He'll take our failures from yesterday and the day before and the day before that, and he'll turn them into testimonies. He'll use the scars to speak of his ability to save. He'll continue to pull our, foots out, our foot out of our mouths and place words of edification and encouragement just like he called Peter to do. Understand, Satan is good at seeing the potential in God's children. There was a great reason why Satan wanted his hands on Peter. And the reason was that Satan knew that very shortly, 
Jesus was going to use Peter and empower Peter once they received the Holy Spirit to speak at Pentecost and see 3,000 people come to know Christ. Don't think for a second Satan didn't know that. Was trying to intervene and, and, and to derail that. Problem is, it doesn't matter how big of a mess we are, there's not a limit to the miracles that Christ can do through us if we'll surrender to Christ and quit beating ourselves up and thinking God can't do anything with us and we're too far gone and, and we don't have this gift or we don't have that gift. No, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have a Christ that died for us and we were gifted these great and precious promises to do the same thing that Peter did. It may not be 3,000. It may only be three. But it's three that God has put up with you, endured with you, and has been long-suffering with you because he has an expected end for you and me. You can't paint a worse picture than Peter. The potential of Peter was amazing. Took him a while to get there. Sometimes it takes us a while to get there. But Christ knows where he's trying to get us to. Do we have to pull our foot out of our mouth sometimes? A lot more than we want to. Do we have to humble ourselves and realize, well, I was pretty much a spiritual idiot on that one. Yeah. Do we catch ourselves rebuking God because when the Holy Spirit directs us to guide us, that we step back and say, no, I can't go there. I'm not going to do that. I don't have the, the, you know, this or that. That's a form of rebuking when we stand against the will of God. We all do it. We're all Peters. But if he can endure with Peter, he can endure with us. He wants us to be that encouragement. He wants to be that hope to everybody around us. We talk so much about Paul. Paul you know, wrote a third of the New Testament. I think you can make a strong argument the preeminent apostle of the New Testament church was Peter. A big part of what Paul did didn't really come to the end of his life. You know, as far as quote-unquote spiritual popularity, Peter had more of a name and influence, I believe, than Paul did. But Peter was the pillar that Christ established a New Testament on, his statement of faith upon this statement, I will build my church. Peter worked the first miracle after resurrection. Peter raised the first person from the dead after the resurrection. It was Peter who took the gospel with Paul, but to the Gentiles, it tells us in Acts 15, 7. God used Peter in a miraculous way, not to mention when he got him to Pentecost, to preach the gospel and see thousands converted. I'll close with this verse, Acts 5, 15. The same Peter that we beat up, the same Peter that the, Jesus uses as great illustrations for us, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by not overshadowed them. Wow. The same Peter... It was at one time, in a lot of ways, a hindrance to Christ working freely through him end up being the same man that Christ worked through to do healings through his shadow.
That's the beauty of Christ. That's the beauty of His long-suffering and patience. We can't throw our arms up and think that God can't do anything and doesn't want to do anything with us. I'm not this person. I'm not that person. I don't have that ministry or this ministry. I don't have this gift. No. You have the Holy Spirit. You have all you need because with it, by way of it, comes the precious promises. The divinity of Christ through the Holy Spirit working through us. And for Christ to use us sometimes, yeah, we may have to first stop and pull our foot out of our mouth. So be it. Pull it out and get back to encouraging people to the hope that's within you. That's what we're called to do. Jesus said, if I do it with Peter, I can do it with you, Todd. He ain't that difficult to deal with. You just take a little patience and long-suffering, and I'm full of that. Because I know where I want you. Yeah, but every time I try that, Todd, I get going, then I fall back and I make the same mistake again. I just can't do it. Yeah, you can. Proverbs tells a man, fall the seven times, a righteous man gets up. Gets up, keeps on going. What? Keep on encouraging people. Well, you stuck your foot in your mouth last week. You did so-and-so. I did, but it does not change who Christ is, does it? No. It just identifies my character flaw, but my character flaw isn't what gets you to heaven. It's Christ that gets you to heaven, and let me tell you about Christ. If you're worried about my character, you're worried about the wrong thing. Focus on Christ's character, because Christ doesn't put his foot in his mouth. I can tell you that by my own testimony. Peter, by way of divine intercession, went from getting in the way of Jesus to Jesus using his shadow to heal. I'll close with this. In Acts uh, chapter 10, we find Peter, and he falls into a trance, a vision. He's, he's hungry. It's noonday, and he falls into this trance, and the skies, the heavens open up, and he sees a, a sheet lowered from the four corners, and on it are these animals that by, by the law are unfit to eat, by, you know, by the laws and, and the uh, Levitical laws. And it says here in verse 14, But Peter said, Not so, Lord. Still rebuking. Still hard-headed Peter. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again a second time, What God hath cleansed, thou shalt not what call common. Here's the point of this vision. God says, Peter, <laughs> I cleansed you. I've made you whole. I've shared my divinity with you. I've empowered you through my promises to do great and precious things. Don't you dare, Peter, call yourself unclean what I call clean. Don't let your heart make you unclean. Don't let your mind make you unclean. When Christ died on that cross and saved our soul, what he cleansed, nobody can uncleanse. What was broken, he's made whole. 
Don't think God can't use you and doesn't want to use you. You're not common. You and I are not common knowing Christ is our Lord and Savior. We have been cleansed by, by the blood of Christ. Do not let yourself or anybody say you're not worthy, you're not able or capable or not going to do anything good and for God. You got a God that gave you great and precious promises by the shedding of his blood, and he imparted his divinity into us that we have untapped potential in Christ. Don't call unclean what I call clean. When we do that, we're just like Peter, putting our foot in our spiritual mouth, thinking and talking above our spiritual authority. When Christ died on that cross, our worth was priceless to God. Priceless. And he has an expected end for every one of us. Our job is to quit beating ourselves up. If you stumble, get up. Look up and don't give up. Keep walking in Christ. Why? Because he wants you to be that encourager. He wants you to share with those around you the goodness of God in your life. You and I are more than capable of doing it. Don't fear what God has the faith for you to do. And definitely don't call unclean what God's already cleansed. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. We, when we look at a Peter, Lord, we can easily take shots at him, spiritually speaking, of his failures, his shortcomings, his character flaws. But, Father, if we're humble and honest, we see so much of ourselves in Peter. Times that we've rebuked you by saying no where you've called us. That we've many times, personally speaking, stick our foot in our spiritual mouth, talking more than listening. Well, we say he got one mouth and two ears, and we seem to get that backwards. Father, many times we think ourselves a little too arrogant, a little too prideful in what we think we do know and what we are doing for you. But Father, that's just us. We're fallen creatures. We will always be fallen creatures until we get our resurrected body. But no matter how much we stumble and fall or stick our foot in our mouths, Father, you're not giving up on us because you've cleansed us, you've redeemed us, you've restored us, you've made us whole. Why? For your glory. Share with others the hope that's within us. Let the scars show. Let our character flaws, not that we should flaunt them, we should always work on them, but Father, don't let that be a hindrance to your perfect will in our life. As the music plays, come to the altar and maybe a good time just to acknowledge that uh, we can be our own worst enemy sometimes. Our greatest battle will always be the flesh.
We always want to share that the greatest promise of all was the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. Of all the promises, that's the one we we don't want to rebuke Christ towards. It's a gift that God gave us through his death and resurrection on the cross. If you've never had the opportunity to hear the clarity, the simplicity of the gospel, I encourage you, don't leave here today without that opportunity. we got men or women that can take you privately into that room and share with you how you can know for sure the greatest promise of all. Father, we again thank you for this morning. We thank you for your words. We thank you for for Peter and other characters in the Bible that we've seen them stumble, but yet, Father, we've seen your work be fulfilled and see that their ministries brought about your glory in their lives and their testimony shown forth your love for those around them. Father, that we can just emulate that in every way in our lives. When we do stumble or fall or stick our foot in our mouths that we just humbly react appropriately repent move forward and continue to look for that opportunity to share your grace mercy and your love with those around us we thank you for our folks today pray for those that were out just ask for healing and strength on them father always we ask that you forgive us where we fail you we ask these things in christ's name amen